Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for the Bears Nation podcast with your hosts, Kevin Lapka and Jake Hassan. Get ready for a lot of fun and excitement. Strap it in. I know you're going to dig this. It's Bears Nation, baby. To the Batmobile. Let's go. All right, welcome in. It is Bears Nation podcast. It is Wednesday, September 20th. And uh, anything good happen today? I don't know. I've been uh, I've been busy. I don't think uh, you know. I think we just have a football game to talk about, and uh, nothing else is really going on. No, of course things have been happening. Uh, when this show was being planned today, I texted Kevin Lapka. Yeah, I don't know. Like, might be a shorter episode. I don't really have anything to say about a football game in which the Bears are thirteen and a half point underdogs, and they're going to Kansas City, and they look terrible. And then all the shit in the world. Not even in the Chicago, all the shit in the Chicagoland area just immediately hits the fan. And Kevin Lapka texts me, I think we have some stuff to talk about now. Yeah, you think, and almost none of it is about the football game that we're going to see in just a couple days here. A little bit, will we? But nobody really cares about that. Let's be honest. We all know how that football game is going to go. So thankfully, we do have some stuff to talk about because, oh, Lord, did a lot happen in the last seven hours or so. But this is Bears Nation Podcast. Myself, Jake Hassan, joined as always by Kevin Lapkin, as always brought to you by ONTAP Sportsnet. And oh boy, what a day it has been, Kevin Lapka. What a day uh, today has been. Not all of that good. Almost none of it good, actually. Um, and just, I mean, where do we start? I think, obviously, the biggest conversation will be around Justin Fields and the comments he made this afternoon. And then about the comments he made about two hours after that. Um, But I think where we have to start, Kevin, is with this whole mystery situation surrounding Al Williams. We won't go into the details. None of it is confirmed. But Al Williams did hand in his resignation to the Chicago Bears this morning. He will no longer be the defensive coordinator. For those of you who will remember, Matty Rafluz called the defensive plays last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Didn't exactly go great. Baker Mayfield threw for over 300 yards. Mike Evans had an incredible week, uh, one of the best weeks that we remember in his career recently. And it didn't go great, and he lost the game. But Alan Williams at the time was said to be away for personal reasons. That was left up in the air. Nobody really thought more about it. Rumors on Twitter start to come out today about what it might be about, about a possible FBI raid at Hallis Hall and at Williams' home. Then it's reported that Williams signed in his, re- resigned from his position this morning, handed it in, whole bunch of stuff. We won't go super into that because a lot of it has been disproven. You can go find that yourself if you just go on Twitter. It's everywhere. So we're not going to get super deep into that. But 
Matt Eberflus is essentially going to be the defensive coordinator going forward. Alan Williams is not on the team. Um, I think that's all we have to say about that, Kevin. I don't know if you have any really anything else to add to that, but I think we about cover it because we still there's so much we don't know about Alan Williams. Yeah, I mean, like literally any moment right now, any second, any minute, today, tomorrow, you just don't know. Something could come out and we just don't know. There's no reason to speculate. I mean, just in general, Jake, though, one of the weirdest days I've been involved in just working in the media, working at 670, the score with all this going on and every moment it feels like something different is happening and unfolding. And like these types of days, they happen in week 17 uh, when your coach is on the hot seat and they get fired, right? These types of days happen when you're in uh, an extended regime that's been through turmoil. These things don't happen in the third week of the second year of a regime. Like these things (laughs) just do not happen. And like, again, the Alan Williams thing, whether it's related to anything, like we don't know. But as far as what happened with Justin Fields and all that, like all this is very unusual uncharacteristic of a regime that's this early in its tenure so it's there's a lot to unpack here but definitely Jake just one of the weirdest wildest days I've been on uh, I've been a part of just like mashing the Twitter button mashing it seeing like when yeah. the next report was going to come out because you know part of it is it's just that's just my job but like it's just uh, been a wild wild day but yeah as far as Alan Williams I don't I, obviously there's not much else to add there except for the fact that you know what do they do with defensive coordinator? Like there's been consideration from people on Twitter. Like, do you bring in a Rod Marinelli? Do you obviously this yeah. is going to happen, but like, do you bring in a Lovey Smith or do you bring in someone familiar with this Matt Eberflus Tampa two defense? Because we talked in the past about when Nagy was calling plays on the offensive side of the ball about, Hey, he can't focus on head coach game to, you know, game time things. If he's calling plays, he just can't focus on the other things he needs to focus on. If he's so focused on calling plays, the same can be said for Matt Eberflus on the defensive side. He can't focus on the, you know, the every play things a head coach needs to do. If he's so worried about calling plays, especially when you got to deal with Patrick Mahomes this week. So who knows if they'll elevate somebody on the roster or on the, and the coaching staff to be the defensive coordinator and handle Adam Williams duties after he resigned, but just a wild day. I'm ready, though, to pivot to Justin Fields if you are, because that should take up a brunt uh, of the time here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and just to tie a knot on what Kevin said, you have beat reporters who have been on the beat for years saying that this is the weirdest day that they've ever experienced at Hallis Hall. So that really says something about that as well. But uh, anyway, let's talk about Justin Fields. Uh, says today, I mean, th- you know what? And, and there's something that you said, too, that I want to address uh, that you texted me, but it was just a weird day. It starts with in the afternoon, you know, everyone was, everyone was ready. Everyone was like, all right, Justin Fields is going to talk today about that disaster. That was the week two game against the Bucks. Matt Eberflus will talk today. And Justin Fields gets up there and in a very, I would say, uncharacteristic move, kind of throws people under the bus. I, I mean, usually Justin Fields gets up there. and I wouldn't say that though. I wouldn't well, say un- thrown under the bus. That that's an exaggerated term. Fine, but he gets up there and kind of he expands more than I think we're used to from him. Correct. He gets up there and he says, "This is me. I got to play better. You know, it's not about anybody else. You know, we'll get better next week. We can improve a lot." And he started with that, and then at the end, he goes, he gets a question. And he answers it with, yeah, I'm playing too robotic. You know, I'm thinking too much. I'm not, you know, really playing free and not playing like myself. And I'm paraphrasing a lot here. But 
then somebody there's a follow-up question and somebody asks well why do you think you're playing too robotic what what do you think is making you play too much and he kind of hems and haws and then eventually after about five six seconds he goes well coaching it could be coaching and that kind of that's what blew up and we haven't really ever heard justin fields say something like that where he points out very specifically seemingly absolves himself of blame and just says yeah the coaching is why i'm i'm being too robotic i'm not running i'm thinking too much i'm in my own head now kevin lapka you've famously been on this podcast this show saying justin fields is full of confidence justin fields knows he can go out there and make the throws and make the plays and be an athlete and win football games and now it seemingly comes out from justin fields himself that his coaches are so in his head that he can't just go out and play football and that he's overthinking and he's second guessing every instinct that he has on the football field, which would be to your point from earlier this week, literally, you know, 48 hours or so ago that the coaching ruined Justin Fields, that Justin Fields is no longer an athlete, that Justin Fields is been hammered into his brain to be a pocket passer. Mm -hmm. Don't do anything else. Be a pocket passer. And if you want to consider the offensive coordinator who came from green Bay it seems like it was drilling. Hey, you got to be Aaron Rodgers. You got to sit back there, make the reads, and make perfect passes, and forget all this running bullshit. Be Aaron Rodgers. Be a pocket passer. You can move the pocket. You can move around back there, but you can't take off. You got to sit there and wait for your man to be open or throw him open. That's seemingly what it's has it, happened here. They've taken away everything that made Justin Fields himself, what made him unique. And to be fair, Aaron Rodgers isn't Justin Fields either. Aaron Rodgers can't do some of the things that Justin Fields can mm-hmm. do. Never has been, even when he's younger. Obviously not, and, you know, torn Achilles, notwithstanding, <laughs> even when he's healthy. But, you know, it seems like, and, and we'll get into the other quotes, but it seems like Luke Getze and the coaching staff have told Justin Fields, be something you're not. It's not great. It's not what you want. No. And look, I wouldn't say either that he absolved himself of blame. Like he, he, he said, you know, I have to play better. Everyone knows everyone in that building knows I have to play better, but he cited coaching as a reason as to why he hasn't, you know, played well. So it wasn't all the blame on the coaching staff. And that's why I think he called the second press conference because when you saw Bleacher Report, when you saw ESPN take the quote that you mentioned, it was, I believe it could be coaching. And you take that statement in those three words and you put it everywhere for everyone to see without any context, then yeah, it seems like, hey, he's saying, oh, I'm doing everything I can. Coaching has ruined me. That's not the case. He has taken some blame. He just has cited coaching as one of the issues. And to be honest, Jake, I'm glad he did this. Like what he did today in that opening press conference, coming out and saying, hey, you know, I felt robotic. I I don't like the way I felt playing these first two weeks. This is not me. This is not my style of play. And like him... Being honest, right? Because that's what you want in a lot of these situations. Like you want honesty. You want the honest, raw feelings that a player is feeling, especially when it's so much turmoil that we've seen through the first two weeks. Like what I saw and what I heard from Justin Fields today, like that's a dude I'd go to war with. Like that's the guy that you want to fight with. You know what I mean? Like not this guy that like, and I said last week, Jake, I said he needs to walk. What did I said at the Packers game? I said he needs to walk into Luke Getz's office, uh, office and be an asshole and tell him, hey, dude, this is not okay. We're not going to do this anymore. We're going to kind of do things my way. And he, we saw a glimpse of that today. It was just public instead of private. He publicly did what I said and said, look, we're not going to do it this way anymore. 
this isn't working. I know my strengths and my capabilities of a player. I was this successful in college. I was the top rated prospect in high school for these reasons, for these reasons. And look, you and it's not just high school. It's not just college. You saw it last year too. When you put me on the run, when you let me do my thing, I'm a top quarterback in the NFL, right? And those things are facts. And he's yep. now making the statement that, hey, don't try to turn you, you tried to turn me into a pocket passer. I listened. I was the coachable one. I sat there throughout training camp, and you can argue about whether that's a good thing or not. But we, we've talked before about how he's a very likable, coachable guy who's going to listen to his coaches. And, and you know, if they want to turn me into a pocket quarterback and want to try this, let's give it a try, right? Because I'm I'm willing to try it. And through two weeks, it's been failed results. And he has all the right in the world, all the right in the world to, to have, you know, that communication with his coaches and say, hey, this isn't working. Things are going to change. It should never be one-way conversation. Like, there's people who are upset about him at least posing this idea of returning to the offense that we saw last year. Why would you be upset at that? That's exactly what you want. That's exactly the kind of – you want two-way communication. You don't just want Luke Getze putting it all on Justin Fields and him being receptive to that. You want him to say, if, hey, Luke Getze comes to you with an idea – Sure, great, but let's modify it in this way. Let's talk through this together. Let's be a team, right? Let's be an actual yep. team. Like the best, the best offenses in the league have a really good tandem between head coach or offensive coordinator and quarterback. Like Patrick Holmes obviously is great for all the right reasons and great and one of the great second second greatest quarterback of all time and all these different things, great attributes, better quarterback than Justin Fields, sure. But one of the things that has made him so successful is that in his time in Kansas City, his relationship with Andy Reid, and you saw this a little bit in the quarterback documentary on Netflix, and with Eric Bannemi at the time, and even Matt Nagy, has been so such a two-way you know, flow of communication. It's back and forth. It's, hey, I saw this. Let's do this. Okay, I got you, Patrick. Or it's Nagy saying, hey, Patrick, I saw this. All right, I got you, coach, right? Like, it's back and forth. And it hasn't felt that way for Justin Fields this year. It didn't feel that way really last year. And I think finally now he's getting to this point where, hey, I'm in my third year of my career. I know what's at stake for me. If I don't succeed this year, my NFL career in future is in jeopardy. Like it's in yeah. jeopardy. I have to take ownership of what's going to be best for me, which is also consequentially best for the team. And he knows that. And it's evident in what happened the first two weeks. And I have to take ownership. And this is what we have to do. I have no problem with what he said. I have no problem with the actions that he took in that press conference. Again, I didn't think it was arrogant. I didn't think it was an asshole move. It just was almost like a suggestion. Um, And I'm glad he did it. That's a guy, like I texted you this. I said, I feel more confident about Justin Fields today than I did in the past because of what he said and because of how honest and open he was. That's not a bad thing to say. Like that's a complete, and I'm not talking about, I feel more confident on September 20th, 23 about Justin Fields career in the future than I do than I did when he was drafted. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I feel more confident about his ability to rebound this season and show this front office and show this coaching staff, even though they probably won't be here for very long, why he is still a franchise quarterback capable of leading a team to a Super Bowl championship in this league. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. I want to read the full there. I'm sorry. Jay. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to, well, I want, cause I want to do this. I want to do this in two parts. I want to do this in the first part of his first quotes. And, and I want to get to his second set of quotes after the fact. So the first quotes were as follows. And I paraphrased it initially. I kind of bastardized it. So to pay off credit to that, this is what Justin Fields said at his press, his morning, let's call it the morning session. 
I wasn't necessarily playing my game. Felt like I was just kind of robotic and not playing like myself. My goal this week is to just say F it, also known as fuck it, and go out there and play football how I know how to play football. That includes thinking less and just going out there and playing off of instincts rather than so much info in my head, data in my head. Next quote from the morning session, let's call it. Just literally going out there and playing football, going back to it. It's just a game and that's it. That's when I play my best, when I'm just out there playing free and being myself. So I'm going to say dump all the what I should do, this and that, pocket stuff, and I'm going to go out there and be me. Everything in those two sets of quotes, I was like, hell yeah, dude. Stick it to these jabronis. Stick it to the man for the most part. Like, you know, tell them. I agree because I agree with you, Kevin. He needs to tell them at a certain point what needs to happen if the offense is not working. I get it. Like, you want to acquiesce. You want to be a team player, whatever. But I respected the hell out of being like, yeah, I'll put these idiots on blast. They're trying to get me to be something I'm not. They're trying to tell me how to play a game when I know I won't be successful that way. And they're just drilling all these numbers and situations in my head. I was like, hell yeah, Justin. That's some good, that's some bad motherfucker shit. Like, be a bad motherfucker. (laughs) That's awesome, dude. Like, tell them what to do and what you know you can do well. That's really cool. That That's cool, dude. Like, that's a cool thing yes. to do. To just not, not be pushed around by your coaches. We know he knows how to play football. We know he's an athlete. I get that. And say, like, I'm just going to play free. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to go out there and ball with my bros. Hell yes. yeah. Like, that's great. Like, don't make it too hard. And that's what we said last year. Just let the kid go make plays. Like, just let him go. And, and do stuff like that because we know he can do it, th- including thinking less and just going out there and playing off of instincts. Like that just goes back to, and even this was a problem I feel like we talked about with Mitch Chabrisky when he was here, where there it was like the Matt Nagy, uh, you know, class or, or the, the 101 and the 201 and blah, blah, blah. Like there's only so much a person can hold in their head. Mm-hmm. Like what that tells me is even during the game, they're like, hey, well, this data point and that data point. And it's like, there's only so much you can take in instead of just react. And I get it. Like you have to have, and that's why the iPads and the tablets or whatever you want to call it, that information's there for a reason. But if you're overusing it, you're beating a dead horse at a certain point. Like don't tell him, oh, well, the numbers say this. So just sit there and get rocked by, you know, Vita Vea or Shaq Barrett. Go out there and get rocked by the entire Green Bay defensive line. Like, and, and this has come out in the last couple of days, these videos you see, whether it be Brian Balding or, or uh, YouTube quarterback uh, breakdowns or whatever. People showing these running lanes were last year, and whatever, we talked at length on Monday about the missed open receivers and stuff. At a certain point, because part of the biggest issue with me on Monday when we talked about the recap of this week two game against the Buccaneers was that there were wide open running lanes too. And he seemed hesitant to take those running lanes. And it's just like, now he seemed like, yeah, you know what? Why was I waiting? Why was I so hesitant? Because in the back of his brain, he's like, oh, well, they don't want me to do that. Yep, that's so exactly let me play, like, right. Him acquiescing, trying to be a good. And this is also where I give him credit in, in the morning session of today's you know quotes or press camera, whatever the hell you want to call it. You could see him ramping up to this because there was a lot of like, uh, um, and Justin Fields usually he's a pretty good speaker, and I, you know everyone when you got cameras in your face and people ask questions, you'll say you'll get the ahs and ums and you'll pause there, but like you could see it, like he was like, 
started with, yeah, you know, it's just, you know, I'm not like really playing my game and I'm thinking, and then he starts to ramp up. And you can see him, and I tweeted this, you can see him manually filtering his life. It's like your buddy when he takes too much of an edible and he has to manually breathe. Like, he has to think about breathing. Like, that's what Justin Fields was doing. Like, he was manually picking thoughts out of his brain to store them in storage because he's like, ah, I don't know if I should say that. And eventually he just said it. Eventually he just convinced himself to say it. Yeah. That, again, that's back to that. That's cool as hell to just say, Fuck it. I'm going to say what's on my mind. And I'm sure there was way more he wanted to say. You can tell there was way more he wanted to say about the coaching. And I'm like, yeah, these idiots are in my head too much. They're in the headset too much. Like, if anything, I'm kind of with you now, Kevin, that this coaching staff probably can't make it through the rest of the year unless something drastic changes. Unless they just cut the training wheels off and say, all right, you know what? You're right. We were wrong. Go. Like, well, I think that's what they're going to do. I, but even I still... I still have my qualms about Justin Fields, the passer, and I still have my qualms sure. about Justin Fields, the quarterback. But if everything that was said today is true, that the coaches are in his ear right away on the sideline and that they're in his ear on the headset and that they're just over oversaturating his brain with all this information, then I'm willing to give it. And I was never going to say, I said this on Monday. I was never going to say bench Justin Fields for Tyson Badgett or Nathan <laughs> Peterman. God, ugh, who was not anymore. Today. They tried to, yeah, they tried to slide that one past us. But you know, I'm not. Gonna, I was never going to say that this year because this year was all about finding out what you had in Justin Fields, and the only way you're going to do that is if you play 17 games, health permitting, of course. But you know, I'm willing to at least. I'm willing to wipe the slate clean. I'm willing Good. to wipe the slate clean this Good. far in the season. I'm willing to start from scratch starting this week against Kansas City. Now, is it the best place to start from against Kansas City, at Arrowhead, against Patrick Mahomes, against Chris Jones, who might be in contention for defense player of the year, even though Michael Parsons is going to win it, obviously. Like, not a great jumping off point. Like, would have liked for this to happen from the jump, week one against Green Bay and Tampa Bay, which still are not awesome places to jump off from but a little bit better than against Kansas city in a very hostile environment against an offensive coordinator. Who's going to want to run up the score on you because you know, it's, you know, he wants to get back at you for firing him, even though he's a complete bozo. Anyway, I digress, but my point being, you know, in a long winded way of saying, if this is going to change like this, this is the crossroads. This is the fork in the road. Either things change, either things change on Sunday at Kansas City, or they don't. And it'll be very evident. If we, I swear to God, if we get a screenplay, first play of the, the game first screen. set of downs, first play of the I'm game. going to lose my mind. I'm going to lose my mind. If we get a bubble, if we get a halfback slip screen in the first set of downs, I'm going to fucking lose it. Because then that says Luke Getze is so arrogant and so set in his ways that he's not willing to adjust. And that Justin Fields, everything that happened today, everything regarding Justin Fields, I should say, just didn't go through. And then he said, nope. Because then I know we're dealing with Matt Nagy again. That's the same exact thing. And then that's what I know we're dealing with. And then I know we're just screwed. And we're just screwed for the next 15 games. And that would really suck. So what I'm hoping for is that the Bears choose the right path. And I was kind of using it directionally, but I guess it would be the right path in general as well. To... Say, all right, we messed up, take accountability, and say, let's get back to what worked, what helped us put up 30 points a game last season, and let our freak athlete quarterback be a freak athlete. 
and it'll be very evident, I think, early on in the in the game. I think it'll be evident pretty pretty quick. But the problem you face, the problem you face if you're the coaching staff in that situation is like this is a lose lose situation for you because you you don't like if things were to get better. Say Justin Fields is right. You let him play ball. You you move the pocket. You do the design runs. You do everything you did last year, and it works because you have better playmakers this year too. And and these things work, and it's a better version of what it was last year. Say that's the case. And oh hey, we figured it out week three, right? And now and now we go, and now we go, now we start winning games. Yes, that is shows that you have the ability to adapt. That is true, but it's inexcusable. It's inexcusable that you even attempted to do the things you did before the season began. It's inexcusable that you had four months to game for game plan for the Green Bay Packers and evaluate this team. And look at the roster that you had at hand and thought, hey, this is the way we're going to do things for two games straight. They could have fixed it at the Green, after the Green Bay game, but they didn't. So it's a lose-lose situation for the, the coaching staff here, which is why I think they're going to get fired. I think at some point they're going to get fired. And like maybe they do end up looking at it like, hey, you fixed it in week three. And if you end up winning seven games, guess what? You fixed it, and now we go next year. But that's the same thing we said last year. It was inexcusable for the first few games last year. Then they fixed it, but it almost it, 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 you can't do it again. It's too late again. You had the whole offseason. This is a season where you're supposed to be in contention. The expectations were set high. This is the way it should have been from the jump. You tried too hard to turn a player into somebody they're not, somebody who's valuable to this franchise. I still believe that Ryan Poles and Kevin Warren have a big belief in Justin Fields. Like I do think that those two figures have a very strong belief in Justin Fields, which is a very critical point in this whole situation when you think about where do we go after week 17. But I just don't think there's a possible scenario for the coaching staff where it ends up well for them. Like it's it's you have like even if you take all of the blame and admit that you were wrong, that's still not a good look. And that's the same thing that got Matt Nagy fired. It's the exact same thing that got Nagy fired in the long run. Stubbornness, like he, arrogance. It, 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 stubbornness, arrogance, and like I just I it, it's a lose lose situation for them. They're gone. It 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 is going to be the end. And just with everything that's going on, like it just feels like today was a day and I tweeted this and obviously it wasn't going to happen, but it's truly how I felt like with everything that happened, like today felt like a day where the only thing to rectify what was going on was by firing the head coach and the offensive coordinator. That felt like the only way like cleanup is too difficult, right? It, it just, it just felt too hard to find a way to fix this without just firing people like to like, and, and, and think about it from your standpoint as a fan, like, if you were going into this Kansas City game with a with a different, I don't know, Andrew Janoko is calling plays, and I guess he's the interim head coach as well, right? Like that's the guy who is probably oh, most qualified. Like I almost feel more positive about the game if that's the case. Like I almost do, just because I just feel like this coaching staff has had such a negative influence on Justin Fields. And Stephen A. Smith might be right when he says it feels like Justin doesn't want to be here because he knows the coaching staff is damaging. You know, his play on the field, like it felt like one of those days where you are better off if you just get rid of the mess and get rid of who's creating the mess. And I don't like yeah. Matt Eberflus and Luke Getty aren't like bad guys. Like it's not like toxic culture. Like as long yeah. as they don't really yeah. know, like as long as they're independent of whatever is going on with Alan Williams, like again, it's hard to speculate that. But if whatever's going on with Alan Williams is like independent and the coaches didn't know anything, like those two guys aren't like toxic. Like it's not like it doesn't at this moment feel like 
really bad. Like their cancers in the locker room. They have to be gone for that reason. It's just like, man, the players all have Justin Fields back. Like Jaquan Brisker and Jalen Johnson are on record on, you know, six, seven, the score saying we have his back. We know he can ball. Like everyone in this situation, like if you were to pick sides, like this is typically the case, but everyone's picking the court. Everyone's picking Justin Fields. Everyone's going to them. Like this is a situation where the players are going to coalesce. The players are going to form a coalition and be like, hey, we kind of like this. We got to do this ourselves, man. Like our coaches aren't really helping us out here. Which I mean, remember what two years ago, when it was, oh, well, half the team is split, Andy Dalton, half the other team is split of Justin Fields. Yeah. Like, remember that? We're not that uh, far removed from that. So, like, this is a huge step in the right direction from that. And, I mean, a lot of those guys are gone, but, I, you know, the point stands. You're right. I mean, the, the, the point stands, but, like, it's just natural. Like, whether you want to do it or not, like – when things go wrong, people want to play blame game, the blame game. It happens in every facet of life. Like it's just a natural thing to do. Like when things go wrong, you try to you, you try to figure out why those things are going wrong. And I think the players like are certainly taking accountability. But at least the offensive players, like I think DJ Moore knows. I think you know Darna Mooney and Cole Komet know. Like, dude, like we're kind of running the route. Like Chase Cable might, might not be able to say this, you know, just quite yet. But like. The other guys are saying, like, we're running the route. Like, we're doing everything we can. Like, the I thought Chase Claypool was your guy after the touchdown. No, he's not my guy. I thought he played better. I thought, I thought all sins were absolved. I, I thought, thought he played Kevin better. Lanko was a certified no. Chase Claypool stand now. No, we I got, thought the we touchdown needed... absolved everything. It got, it got close. You were on the record we, saying we, that Monday. I was not on the record saying then saying absolve everything. I thought he played better. I thought he looked like a better version of himself than he did week one. And that is an objective fact. I mean, he actually caught passes and scored a touchdown. Um, but – just in general, like it's natural for people to gravitate towards what they or gravitate away in this case, what they think, you know, is wrong and what they think is ruining the team. And, and I think a lot of them look at the situation and say the coaches aren't putting us in the best position to win. And I'm and I and I just, you know, for better or for worse, I think the players are going to come together. I think this is actually one of those situations where this is a thing that unites the team. Like maybe it doesn't unite the coaches and the players, but it unites all those guys in that locker room. Like maybe they're stronger because of this, because they all have Fields' back and they're all there for him. And with everything going on with the coaches and Alan Williams, like they all come together and say, we kind of got to do this our own, man. We got to figure this out ourselves and we're going to do it that way. Like think about, I'm trying to think of other situations where this has happened, but like, you know, X player calls team meeting, right? You hear this all the time. Team struggles. Player X calls team meeting, team bonds, team ends up winning more games. Like that, like that's like a classic like thing that happens in sure. sports. And I, I, I just feel like we're kind of heading towards that with this team. And I, I just, I just don't think that's that bad of a thing when it comes, when, when it, when it comes to players coming together as a team. Again, the, the, the relationship between players, coaches, might be, probably is fractured. It feels like, but you know, I, I, I don't know. It's just. Just wild, but I don't blame Justin Fields at all. And I think that they have his back, and I think that's a good thing. Well, that brings us to then the second media session, the afternoon session, whatever you want to call it, of yes. Justin Fields' day. Because a couple hours later, it comes out, oh, uh, Justin Fields is calling all the media members over to his locker after practice right now. Everybody goes over there. Everybody holds around Justin Fields. And this is where he lost me, Kevin. No, 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 no. He basically no, no, no. walks it back. No. He basically is like, oh no, I'm not blaming the coaches. I'm not I'm not gonna blame anything on anyone else. It's it's me. You know, I you know, you took you took my words out of context. Oh. That's where he lost me. 
that reeks, reeks of classic, so much that it hurts, classic Bears upper management intervention, whether that be Ryan Poles, whether that be Kevin Warren, I disagree. whether that be the big man, George McCaskey himself, it reeks of somebody talking to Justin Fields and being like, hey, you can't do this. You, you can't be talking about your coaches this way. Stand by what you said. You said what you said. Everybody was there. The cameras were on, my man. You ramped up to it. You were you were hesitant. I get that. Fine. Nobody ever wants to go into a workplace confrontation. Hell, I'm an anxious <laughs> human. I hate confrontation in general. It makes me sweat like you would not believe. You were you made a choice. Stick by it, dude. Who you should have doubled down. You should have said, Yeah, I said that shit. And I stand by it. And I'm right. Like, just the fact that he like. It just seems so cowardly. It just seems no, so don't spineless. Do that. And, I, and I have not said this about Justin Fields in his tenure here because he's not. He's usually Mr. Tough Guy, Mr. Set in his way, set in his words, stands by what he says. You can't, you can't be doing this two hours after you said, what's making you so robotic? What's making you overthink? Oh, coaching. You said that shit. You said it. You, like, you said it. You did you said it unequivocally, play it back, run the tape. You said, and to be honest, you said it could be coaching. You still said it's coaching. We're good. Yes, was it taken out of context and that people chopped off the first three words of the sentence? Sure, two words, not even three. I'm giving you more credit than you deserve there. It could be, chop that part off, coaching. Coaching. It's the same sentence. It's the same sentence. So why, two hours later, are you now being like, hey, guys, Yo, what the fuck? I didn't say that. No, you said it. You said it. You said it, man. You did. And you were right. That's the thing. I would have thrown a parade if he had doubled down. I almost did because he said that and held their ass accountable. We haven't seen, we said this on Monday. We haven't seen a quarterback do that in Chicago since Jay Cutler said, hey, and tell Tice, I said, fuck you for the scheme. That's awesome. Again, that's bad MF shit. That's so cool, man. You should have stuck by it. It's just and I'm not saying that Justin Fields is a coward. I kind of am. But, like, it's just so weak. It's weak to, to, to two hours later. You didn't even give it a day to breathe. You didn't even give it a full news cycle. And, granted, you didn't really get one because of what happened later in the day. But, like, to walk it back essentially so immediately, it just seems so weak and cowardly and spineless to me. Like, and maybe it wasn't a him decision. Maybe it was somebody like Ryan Poles getting his ear big. Hey, no, you know we got a lot going on. You can't do this. It do, you can't you can't look me in my face, Kevin, and say that it doesn't. Knowing what we know about the history of the Chicago Bears and the way that upper management likes to meddle, you can't tell me that it doesn't. At least there isn't there isn't a chance that that red bat phone in Ryan Poles' <laughs> office rang from the office upstairs and they said. Hey, what the hell are you doing? Letting the quarterback say this about the coaches. You can't tell me there's not a chance that happened. There's a chance. There, there's, there's a, a good chance. chance. I there's say a good, good chance. chance. But I want to say good at chance. 80-20 I mean, yeah, yeah. that it didn't, but there's still like a 20% chance that it did. Yeah, I don't know. You think Maybe. Justin Fields said that on his own, out of his own accord? Yes, I do. I, I do. Why? Because, I, again, I, I don't think, like, I, I think you're wrong in interpreting what that was about, right? I don't think it was him walking back the statement. I think he meant exactly what he said, 
And, you know, what what I said from the start, like he wasn't blaming the coaches. He That wasn't his intent in the initial statement. His intent wasn't to blame the coaches. His intent was to say, I think some of the coaching things that we have done have, have been unsuccessful and we need to fix them and things of that nature and blaming himself while also, you know, saying that, hey, that that's just one of the reasons. Like this dude has been getting bashed for 72 hours, right, by the national media. He had to kind of come out and say, that you know there's other reasons of why he's not playing bad like like it's just because it's not a great look for him as a person just like yeah. his career is in jeopardy yeah, like obviously himself. i get that. like yeah yeah but then again what i mentioned was the what it was being interpreted as by the national media was him putting all of the blame on the coaches him putting it all on the coaches and not taking accountability himself that's how it was being interpreted by the national media the national media neglected to say and neglected to acknowledge that earlier in his statements he was talking about how he needs to be better and everyone knows to be better like bleach report Again, that one quote, Sports Center, that one quote. So people naturally, the way the internet does, takes and says, oh, he's blaming just his uh, just his coaching staff. Dan Orlovsky, like went on TV and said, Justin Fields is blaming his coaching staff. Like, that's not what good players do. Like, it's all the blame on them. So I think he saw those things. And what he said was, he read, he said someone, he doesn't have to say he doesn't check Twitter, but he said someone showed him a tweet. I believe it was Dan Weeder's tweet that said, uh, just the he phrase the coaching the grenade. Yeah. Which is t- such bullshit. Anyway, be better. Um, I love it. I love it. No, I don't. That's what I, he should be doing. No, that is a sure. great way to, that, that's but, a great way to word it. And I wish that no. Justin Fields had stood by it. I, I don't know. I just, I because just he's the he, only one that gets all the flack. He's the only one that's been under yeah. all the, like how many people have, were saying like, and I know that the headlines on first take and on Fox sports one, whatever we're saying, like, Oh, how like how much of the blame is Justin Fields? But that's still the main message is this is a Justin Fields problem and not a moreover cult coaching problem. Like, I just like I get it. Like, yeah, like and I get sure I, I do see your point that he wanted to make it clear he was holding himself accountable too. That's totally all it was. Get that. it's all it totally, was. totally fine with that. But it's just like there's a way to like I feel like he just could have said it better. Like but I, I feel like he could have said, like, "Hey, you know, I I don't want to exclude myself from my comments earlier. I don't I don't want to make it seem like I'm not to blame too. Like, there's just a better way to say that than, oh, I'm not blaming the coaching because that makes it seem like he's walking it all back. That makes it seem like he wants to wipe it all away and well, make it all I mean, about him again. But everyone kind of knows. About him but blame himself only again. I mean, sure, you could say that it makes it seem that way, but everyone knows that like that was a very raw version of Justin Fields in that moment, and that like that's probably the most real he's ever been with us and in, in, in just the yeah. press conferences and that he meant what he said. Like, I think people like you can argue about, Oh, he's walking back, but people know that he meant what he said. And now he's kind of maybe just trying to like set the record straight as far as certain things. But we also like, regardless, yeah, damage control, all that, like it doesn't matter. What you know is that he meant what he said and that's the way he feels. And that's the way he's going to express himself to the players in the locker room, to the coaches in, in the building. That's all that matters. That first statement is really all that matters. That is the way that he feels, and that's what matters. It doesn't matter if he walked it back. It doesn't matter the way he phrased it. It doesn't all the semantics. It doesn't matter. It matters that this is the way he feels, and this is what's going to happen. This is how it's going to change. And all of it checks out too. Like none of it is bullshit either, which is the thing that I like. It all makes sense. It all 
checks out. Like the, the, the stars have aligned. Like they have tried too hard to make him a pocket passer. It's all in his head. And if you watch the game film from the first two games, that's exactly what's happening. So let's talk about now how he can be a better version of himself in the coming weeks as we sort of transition here to a slight, small, minuscule preview of this game versus the Chiefs here. I don't know if you have anything else to add. Because, like, do you have anything else to add about, like, what he said or, or any of that? Because I want to transition into, like, the, the the details of what he said and how it, you know, how it will affect actual play on the field. Yeah, I mean, a perfect way to segue into that is, well, you know what's not going to help Justin Fields be a, the version of himself, the best version of himself, and the runner that he is, is Braxton Jones going on the IR with a neck yeah, injury that sorry. is pro- mob- maybe probably going to keep him out the entire year. How about that for a segue into the game? Yeah, Braxton Jones, um, IR, neck injury, Matt Eberflew saying it might keep him out, essentially saying it might keep him out for the whole year. That's not going to help Justin Fields be uh, the freak athlete runner that we know he can be especially when you consider that Nate Davis still away from the team. No, he's back. He's back. But okay. Has been, but has been away from the team. Isn't has been away from the team. Did not play in week two. You have a rookie right tackle who now you're considering moving to left tackle, which I think is a horrible idea. And also a guy at left guard who was supposed to be your center and your guy at center who was supposed to be your swing tackle. Doesn't, doesn't seem great. Doesn't seem, doesn't seem like an ideal situation. Luckily, you're dealing with George Karloftis and not Shaquille Barrett. You know, Chris Jones up front is really the 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 game record. That's not great. City. I was just gonna say, what are we talking about here? Well, well, just I'm talking about if you're talking about like one on one matchups, like if Lucas Patrick went out and you got to start Dan Feeney or like not nah, like Lucas Patrick's been good, but like if you were to lose somebody on the offensive line for this game, I'd rather lose my left tackle than somebody in the interior because of the the defense of the Kansas City Chiefs, the way they're constructed. But nonetheless, it is not a good thing. And look, they have to do. They can like if they if they somehow get close to winning this game, or God, in some world scenario, they win it. They have to find a solution at left tackle that's not currently on the roster. And I looked at the free agents, and it's interesting. Ooh. Like Taylor Lewan is available. He's 32. He does his podcast. I mean, He's Kevin, you're not signing anybody on Wednesday. To you're not on play. Wednesday to play this week. But an no. interesting, interesting, interesting name. If you're trying to like actually be in contention for the rest of the year, which like who knows it is. Lyle Collins was cut last week by the Cincinnati Bengals. They signed him to a three-year $21 million contract. They cut him because oh, he's God. they saved $7 million in dead cap. He's coming off an ACL injury a year ago, but he's a very good player. He's supposed to be ready by late October, early to be, November. To, to be clear, we are talking about the guy who famously said to everybody, Joe Burrow, you got a bodyguard now. Nobody's touching you. Then Joe Burrow got beat to hell for an entire year. And then no. this guy tore his ACL. Let, I mean, let's yeah. be clear about who we're talking about here. Is he better than Larry Borum? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this I, a guy rehabbing an ACL injury who got cut after one year of a huge deal. I, Wait. I don't know. Yeah, I mean... Lyle Collins was great last year. I don't, yeah. I don't know. He was de- to Kevin, do you remember every week we were getting the screenshot of that quote of him saying, yeah, Joe Burrow, you don't got to worry anymore. You have a personal bodyguard. Nobody's touching you. That was being posted. He was getting dunked on week after week after week. Not even, he got old takes exposed, and then old takes exposed just got out of the way because the general public was doing the work for that account. This guy was getting clowned. 
left, right, center, up, down, diagonal, black, white, green, purple. No matter what scenario, people were, whoo, boom, dunking all over this guy because he was so terrible, and then his knee exploded on top of it. Not great. I guess I don't kind of I, – I don't – for some reason, I don't remember that last year. I don't remember you all remember, the oh content. I don't remember that. Anyway, That's anyway, the, the, there there's probably needs to be a solution if Braxton Jones is out for the year unless Larry Borum like surprising like really good left tackle. I don't know. They got to do, they got to do something. Nonetheless, it doesn't help for your game. This way, it doesn't help for your game. The entire season, it's, it's, it's not a good thing at all, and it somehow got buried. Like it's probably the most significant news of the day as it pertains to how it affects the team right like in my opinion and it's buried and no one's talking about it obviously because there's other things to talk about with just fields Matt, and uh alan williams and yeah yeah but like that's a this is a guy that played every snap for you a year every snap for you a year ago so you don't even know what it's really like without him right you can't really say oh well you know they'll be fine without him because they played x amount of snaps last year <laughs> you don't have that i found, it. Every snap. I found it let me see Lyle collins to Joe Burrow, your new bodyguard is in town. Nobody's touching you. And then if you look up Joe Burrow bodyguard, one of the first things that pops up is Joe Burrow just getting sacked so immediately. <laughs> like, All right. I take back so my statement on Leo Cons. I don't remember that, but like he was so good with Dallas and everything. I just, I, I don't know. Anyway, let's, so let's transition to this, Jake. All right, let's do this right here. Let's. So Justin Fields talks about, the offensive coaching staff and the scheme trying to turn him into a pocket passer, how that's affected his confidence, how that's affected his rhythm, and how he wants to say, fuck it, let's ball, let's do all those things. Like, will we see those things? How do those things actually work? Like, what's the, you know, intricacies of what he's saying there? Let, let's get, let, let's talk about that because this stuff is real. Like, I think there's going to be people that look at that and say, well, he's, you know what, uh, like, does that really mean he's going to be bad? Yes. I, I think that you are going to see a wildly version, different version of Justin Fields on Sunday, a, a version very similar to what you saw for the really great stretch last year against the Dolphins and the Lions and all the great things you saw. Like, if you've ever played, like, a perfect example for this is baseball, Jake. And, and, and just me as a baseball player before, like, I can give you a good example of something that he might be thinking about. Okay. oftentimes as a young baseball player in high school before high school, yeah, a lot of things to fix with your swing. A lot of things. You got to worry about your timing. Let's keep the elbow up, right? Let's keep the hands in. Let's flash the hands towards the ball. Let's follow through. There's about 8 million things coaches will tell you to fix at one time. You go to the box and you're thinking you're about to get ready to hit an 85, 90 mile an hour pitch coming at you. Very hard thing to do. And you're thinking about elbow, leg, arms, hands through the, you're going to strike out every freaking time. Same thing goes for football. You're Justin Fields in the pocket. Oh, I got to keep my left foot back. Now I got to, I got to stay in the pocket for three seconds. I got to wait for this. I got to go up and I got to wait with this time. Around. You, you, there's so much going on in your brain. You're just going to, you're going to mentally collapse. You're going to mentally fail. And that's exactly what you saw on those plays where he's missing guys. And he's running into the pocket because his instincts is to run away. His mind is forcing him not to do those things. He's thinking about 4 million different things and his brain just collapses. He ends up taking a stack, a sack. So what you're going to see on Sunday, I hope, if he's being truthful about, hey, F it, let's ball, and the coaching staff allows him to do that, and they change it, you're going to see quicker decisions all over the field. You might see him rip a 50-yard pass on the field that's covered up by two guys. I don't care. Even if 
uh, DJ Moore is down the field covered up by Trent McDuffie and, and, and a safety. I don't give a shit. I think he's going to, he's going to grip it and rip it. If the whole, if the smallest hole is open for him to run, he's going to take it. That's those are the things he's going to, he's going to do. He went into that office. He told Luke Getzey, I believe this week that, Hey, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play ball. I'm going to play freely. When he's talking about playing, playing freely, that's what he means. Clear my mind of all the other shit, play my game. I've been successful my entire life doing it this way, and it ain't going to stop now. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to flush the pocket and get 45 yards running if I can. Who gives a shit if I get 45 yards on the ground versus in the air? It does not matter. It's 45 yards. If you slide and don't take a hit, all is great, right? He is going to get the ball out quick. He's not going to sit in the pocket. He's going to roll out. It's going to be a completely different Justin Fields on Sunday. I, I completely believe that. Who knows if it relates, if it correlates to actual offensive success we don't know that for sure but you will see a different player a player more similar to what you saw the week before and that gives me a hell of a lot more confidence in what the Bears offense can do this week against a Kansas City defense that looked really good last week with Chris Jones back but still has you know holes across the roster um you know still allowed a ton of points not a ton of points but you know allowed the Lions to move pretty easily down the field without Chris Jones, but um, well, it, it gives well, you... The Lions are also a really good offense, so... Yeah, in general, it gives you more confidence now than it did 24 hours ago that the Bears can actually be a productive enough offense to stay in this game, at least until the third quarter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier. Like, I think it'll be pretty evident if the coaching staff is willing to adjust to what Justin Fields said. And if they're going to let him be him, I think it's going to be pretty evident right off the bat, because again, you have Chris Jones there who is an all world type of defensive player. And like you said, we saw the effect he had just from a, a handful of snaps in his first week back, you know, what do you, like, how do you think Lucas Patrick's going to handle that? Lucas Patrick's probably going to be pulling a Geno Smith against Aaron Donald saying, Oh my God. Like as Chris Jones comes at him and he's an <laughs> offensive lineman. And I know you said George Karloff, this isn't, you know, a premier edge rusher. He's still a good player. Fine, like, he's still a pretty damn good player, uh, especially going against someone who's presumably going to be playing left, either left tackle for the first time in a while, or, or for the first time if it's Darnell Wright, or the right tackle who's a rookie in Darnell Wright. So I have a feeling that Justin Fields is going to be under pressure pretty quickly here. And, like, if you're the Kansas City defensive staff, you're sending the house right away to try and call bullshit on this. Like, all right, you want to say you're going to run more and you're going to play more free? All right, we'll call you on that and send the house and see if that's true. And if Justin Fields runs or tries to make a throw on the run or breaks off a crazy run, then you know he's back. Then you know he's just going and he's making instinctive plays. Mm -hmm. If he sits there like he did against Tampa Bay and hesitates and hems and haws and kind of takes a step forward towards the running lane but then pulls back and then backs up and then takes a sack, then we know nothing's changing. You're just screwed. Like, I think we're going to know pretty quick, pretty fast. I mean, you're right. And look, I think the defense of the Kansas City Chiefs is going to kind of like force them to fi- force you to like, they're going to try to find out like they're going right. to, I think yeah. they're going to sit their men in zone until Justin Fields burns them. And then like, if Justin or like, or they're going to send the dogs them until Justin Fields burns yeah. them. Right. And and they're going to do whatever they can. And if they realize, Oh shit, this dude is playing different. This dude's going to fucking run now. And this, and we got to put a spy on him now. And we can't, you know, we're not just going to sit in zone now. Like we, we can't give him all the time to roll out and stuff. Like they're They're, they're going to, they're going to force the bears hand. So though, though, I think they're going to make you prove it. They're going to make Justin Fields and that offense prove it against them. And then you go from there and you see what happens and you make adjustments. Not like we have any 
faith right now that the staff can make adjustments. But, you know, you talk about, you know, these were the th- same conversations we had in the first two weeks about, okay, you know your offensive line is inferior to the opposing defensive line. Find ways to make that less of an issue. PA rollouts, right? Play action. You know, get Justin Fields on the move even before the pocket breaks down. Like, do it initially. Do design runs. That way, you're not just saying, hey, Justin Fields in the pocket, our five guys versus their four offense or defensive front. Like, you don't want to play that game against Kansas City Chiefs. You don't want to play that game with Chris Jones. So you're going to have to find ways to remove that element from the start. And I think that's what they're going to do. At least that's what I would hope they would do. And I just, you know, like, there's – there's still glimpses of this offense, like even in the Bucks game, even in the Packers game, like there was, there's good glimpses. Like there's good drives where they're doing good things. Like those, those things exist. It's just a matter of doing those things more consistently and letting Justin Fields be him. Let him, let him cook, let Justin Fields cook and good things will happen. So um, I, I, I do truly expect those things to happen. And again, I'm not going to pick them to win the game, but <laughs> this is also a kit. Like I, <laughs> It's a Kansas City team that's like really weird right now. Like, like very strange Kansas City team right now. Like they they win 17 and 9 against the Jags team. They shut them down, but they only score 17 points against the Jags D. That's you know not top tier. And they obviously, you know, muff sure. against the, the the Lions opening night and Matt Nagy and you know, all of this. And Eric Bienemy goes to Washington, looks really good. And it's like, well, I don't know. So it's uh there's storylines for this game, and boy oh boy how unfortunate this is on fox's america's game of the week it is a oh my god or is fox having a field day right now oh man the storyline say tom or what's the guy's name tom rinaldi Rinaldi. oh he's having a field day with reports aaron andrews is cooking right now they're gonna have so many graphics of quotes and stuff and oh it's gonna be unreal and we're gonna lose by 40 in front of a national audience no i don't think they'll lose by 40 but unfortunate timing to be on national TV. Yeah, it's not great. I mean, because uh, given everything that happened today and then, I mean, you know, they're going to be talking about it, about the adjustments or lack thereof. I mean, yeah, you're right. It's It's not great. And we have to wait all day for it too. <laughs> not all day, but it's, it's not great. All right. Well, that being said, let's do some game predictions. Uh, for the record, I, I would just like to uh, roll through what our, what our bold predictions were last weekend, Kevin you will if you'll humor me for a second our bold predictions last week were robert tunyon td and first drive 30 plus yard chunk play that was you so you were you were one for two to credit to you for that mine was that jaquan brisker would have a big day he, he, Close. Did, he got hurt he dropped that pick six he also he also got hurt so yeah <laughs> you mushed him um quarterback predictions oh myself no 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 no, no yeah no, no. Yeah, you ready for this one? Actually, let me let me, let me pull it up so that we can uh, then, then we can, <laughs> then we can compare, compare what actually happened to uh, to what to what we predicted. <clears throat> My prediction was twenty two of thirty for two hundred and seventeen yards and a touchdown, sixty three yards rushing and another touchdown. For the record, Kevin predicted this, and this one's this one's truly great. Thirty one for forty four. 280 yards, three touchdowns, and 72 yards on the ground. This is what actually happened. 16 for 29, 211 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, and on the ground, four attempts for three yards. 
So at least I got close in the yardage and I got the touchdown right. Well, I got the passing touchdown right. Kevin wasn't even close. Not didn't even sniff it. And score, Kevin predicted Bears W 27 to 21. I predicted Bears W 20 to 14. We were both wrong. Kevin got one of the scores right. It was just the wrong one. So we start over today in in what will be a week two edition of Bold predictions, quarterback predictions, and game predictions. As everyone turns the podcast off and leaves the chat. as everyone (laughs) says, wow, these guys suck. So I'm going to go turn this off now. Uh, Kevin, your bold predictions for the week to start this segment. I mean, I had these written down last night and they've changed. Um, You know, I I just like... As they should have probably. Let me also be honest about my predictions, not just of last game and not just uh, of the week one game, but really the entire year. Like, my predictions were based off of the Justin Fields that we should be seeing that we saw last year. It is Fair. not my fault that Luke I Getzky went and messed this, this up. Outrageous stat line is is about to happen for this week. Yeah, no, it's 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 not going to be crazy. But like, I just want people to know that like that's where that's rooted in. Like, sure, it, 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 there's logic behind it. Like, it's not just oh, I like Justin Fields. There's 280 yards touchdown. Like, no, like we should be seeing like the 31 for 44 attempts is what we should be seeing. Sure. It just shouldn't be. All in the pocket and all and all in the shotgun and all that stuff. You right. know, it, like right. it, it's just I, I don't know. Nonetheless, this week, bull prediction. I think Jaquan Brisker does get an interception this week against Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, as good as he is, loves throwing the ball down the field. There's just not a lot of good playmakers down the field for Patrick Mahomes right now. Like Travis Kelsey will eat them up underneath. He's gonna destroy these linebackers, this is just, he, it doesn't matter who you are. Travis Kelsey is going to find a hole in the defense. Andy Reid is going to scheme him open. And maybe the Bears double team him and find ways to take him out of the game. The Jaguars tried to do that a little bit. They sort of were successful, except in the red zone, Travis Kelsey did score a touchdown. But like, if you do take away Travis Kelsey, who's Patrick Holmes throwing the ball to? Like he's chucking it down to Marquez Valdez scanning three times a game. Sky Moore has proven to be unreliable for this offense. Kadarius Tony has been proven to be unreliable. And I know Patrick Holmes is a player who doesn't want to throw to guys who won't catch the football and cause turnovers like they did week one. Like you can really take away a lot of elements of this Kansas City offense if you find a way, and it's hard to do, but if you find a way to somehow limit Travis Kelsey. This is also a rushing offense that isn't very good. Isaiah Pacheco hasn't looked like a great rusher this year. He wasn't even that great last year. He just ran really hard and looked funny doing it, and people loved him for it. You know, Clyde Edwards, hilarious still, still there, is the receiver out of the backfield sometimes. He can do some interesting things. You know, our guy Justin Ross is there. Rasheed Rice, obviously, rookie out of SMU, still there. But uh, Don't say I, our guy. Your Our guy. guy, Justin Ross. Come on, you bet on him to score a touchdown week one. He's officially your guy too. You're, you're all you're that. That was a big moment for me that that you did that. I really appreciated that. It made me feel better. Um, nonetheless, Travis Holmes going to throw the ball down the field. He's he, he's going to take a shot, and I think Jaquan Brisker is going to take advantage. I think this is a dude that's been locked in, locked and ready to go, and I think he's going to make a big play um, on Patrick Mahomes this Sunday. So that's my first okay. prediction. But I'll let you go now. All right, I have a not not similar, uh, but I it is similar. Uh, I'm gonna go with Tyreek Stevenson gets hit an interception. Wow, he got he got picked on last week as a rookie, and we kind of expected that to happen. I think it's gonna happen again. I think Patrick Mahomes is gonna go. All right, you know, if you want to put Jalen Johnson and a floating safety on Travis Kelsey, well then I'll go against the rookie who got picked on last week and looked silly doing it against Baker Mayfield. 
Tyreek Stevenson's a competitor. We've seen it all summer. We've seen it in the way that he talks. I think that he has a bounce back today, or not today, on Sunday against Patrick Mahomes. For my first one, I'm going to say that Tyreek Stevenson has a bounce back performance and gets a pick. I mean, the thing that I like about that is all these teams want to do is target him, right? Like that's all the Buccaneers did last week. They don't want to target Jalen Johnson. Why would you do that when you can target Tyreek Stevenson? So he'll get an opportunity, I'm sure. So I actually like that because I think they're going to pick on him. They're going to say, hey, we got this rookie guy here who got exposed last week. Let's throw at him again. I think they'll do that. So I actually like that. Um, I I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Let's go – I have an offensive one, so I'm going to expect you to have an offensive one too. It's related to Justin Fields. I I just – I believe that – Shocking. Shocking. I I believe that everything that Justin Fields said today is truthful, and I think we're going to see it on Sunday. Like I, I just, yeah. I think we're seeing a different version of him on Sunday. So I expect him against a defense that's, you know, still pretty good when you look at their stats through two games, right? It's only two games, um, but they are 22nd, uh, in, or actually, sorry, third, third in opponent points per game, allowed 13th in opponent yards per game, allowed sixth in opponent third down conversion percentage, 10th in opponent yards per play, like still pretty good, but prone to allowing some big plays at times. I think Justin Fields has a big rushing touchdown. Like I, I truly yeah. think he's going to hit that hole when it, he's going to use his instincts. He's going to find a way. They're going to play down on him, and he's going to just—they're going to blitz, and he's going to make him pay. I, th- I think that's what he's going to do. They're going to blitz one time, and he's going to make him pay. He's going to use his instincts, and he's going to score—you know—a big 30, 40 plus yard rushing touchdown, and like stick it to him and say, or really stick it to Getz. I guess say, yeah, this, this is, this is, this is it right here, man. This is, this is what we're going to do now. This is what we're going to do now. Um, so I'm expecting a big time play from Justin Fields on Sunday. And even if that's the only big time play of the game, I think it's going to happen. I think he's going to score a 30 plus yard rushing touchdown. Uh, I'm going to go this one. Maybe it's not bold, but it's something that I do want to put out there. Uh, so maybe it's just a prediction. I think that this is the week that Rashawn Johnson takes the majority of the carries, takes the majority of the snap counts at running back. We saw it once again, he was the most effective runner. He was the better running back. He was the best running back on the field for you last week. That's two weeks in a row now. I like Khalil Herbert. I just think his role is best suited as the gadget guy, as the guy that comes in, change of pace, and could potentially break off a big play. But Roshan Johnson's a goddamn man, and he's running over people, and he was wide open. Justin Fields should have had him for a touchdown, but he's been marginally behind Khalil Herbert and carries and targets the last two weeks. I think this is the week that Roshan Johnson kind of ascends to that true RB1 role. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think they're going to give him more chances as well. He showed the flashes against the Buccaneers. Uh, Casey's rush defense, along 3.7 yards per rush, good for 13th in the NFL, 26 rushes per game, and 96 rush yards per game, good for 12th in the NFL, and have allowed 0.5 rush TDs per game. When you look at their passing defense, though, Jake, real quick before we do our, our, uh, our, our game prediction here, they are ninth in opponent yards per pass, but they're 19th in opponent pass yards per game. They have not intercepted a quarterback through two games this year. They're 18th in sack percentage, so they're not really ha- putting a ton of pressure. They're, they're, you know, bottom half of the league in pressure being put on the quarterback and getting to the quarterback. Like, this isn't a phenomenal Kansas City pass defense, and it really wasn't last year either. They lost 42 points in the Super Bowl, right? Like, yeah, this is a this is a pass defense you can kind of maybe take advantage of. Like, in certain situations, I'm not saying that, you know, it's easy pickings down the field, but it's, it's, it's nothing special right now. It's nothing special. So I, 
I just think this game, like, it's a little bit more interesting than I think what people are making it out to be. Like, I, I just, oh, I do, I'm not picking the Bears to win, Jake. I'm not picking the Bears to win. But like, this, you watch, you watch the Kansas City Chiefs through two games, offensively at least, offensively at least, right? It's hard, it's hard to evaluate Week One without Travis Kelsey offensively. But even Week Two, it's looked like a different offense. It hasn't looked like the same Kansas City explosive offense that you know is capable of just torching you throughout the game. They only scored 17 points last week. They're having a little bit of trouble getting down the field. They have no weapons outside of Travis Kelsey. The offensive line has been very good, but if you can't throw the ball on anybody, then what's it worth? Like, I, I, I just, I, the Bears' defense is bad right now, but I yeah. don't think this team's going to drop 42 on you. I don't think that, and maybe this is the week the Chiefs are like, we figured it out. Second week back with Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones, we're here now. 42 there it is like there's a chance that happens for sure but from what we've seen and the evidence we have in two games this isn't a kansas city opponent that i'd feel confident saying is going to put up 35 plus points on you it's even with patrick mahomes and a bad defense i know but dude (laughs) i I get what you're saying you're right the kansas city offense has looked a little bit let's say dysfunctional at times so far to start the year who's on place I'll always bet on Patrick Mahomes figuring it out. I always will. Like, always 100 times out of 100. I, I um, all right. That All that being said, what is your prediction on the stat line for Justin Fields before we do the score predictions? Ooh, okay. The field stat line prediction, obviously, so credible and so reliable. You should definitely yes, uh, take course. this uh, with a great of salt. 100%. Um, I, I, I think because of his statement and because of my bold prediction – I don't think he throws the ball like more than usual. I think you'll probably look at a similar passing attempt total that we saw last week, like a 21 for 28 or something like that. So I'll I'll do that. I'll go 21 for 28. Um, I I think they're going to figure things out a little bit on the pass side of it. I don't think he's going to throw for 300 yards either. I think he's going to take more shots. I think they might hit a couple big plays, but I think he'll still be around, you know, 245, 250 yards. But I do think the rushing is going to get back up there. I think you're looking at 85, 90, maybe even 100 yards rushing on the ground for Justin Fields. And for those who think that's outrageous, he did that like at least three times last year. I think he scores a rushing touchdown. If he's scoring a long rushing touchdown, odds are he can get up to that 100-yard total. I think he has a huge day on the ground and a decent day in the air. I just – I. I just truly like again, and part of it is because like you had to take real quick, Jake. You had to take like Mitch Trubisky kind of did this, or they kind of did this with Mitch about let's dumb down the offense, right? Yep. Let's have you play your game, let's simplify things, let's kind of let you not think anymore. They did that with Mitch. Mitch is not as capable as as Justin Fields was. We always knew that the limitations were there for Mitch. If he didn't have the passing to fall onto, then what did he have to fall onto? Justin has the rushing. Mitch didn't really have the Mitch didn't have elite playmaking ability outside of being a pocket pass that he could fall on if they said, "Hey, we're going to simplify the offense and do things a different way." Justin Fields has that to fall on. So I just like I just think that it's all very real and you're going to see a different version of him and he's going to have a big day and all that stuff is is going to come to fruition that he's talking about and they're going to they're going to take shots and he's going to complete them and he's going to be a different version of himself and it's not an excuse like it's not just a last ditch effort of hey let's not think like it's not a Mitch Trubisky situation and I don't want people comparing it to that so I'm 245 yards 21 for 28 not a huge day in the air maybe one passing touchdown and then a huge day on the ground and one rushing touchdown all right uh, I think you're going to be down big in this game. So I think you're going to have to throw a lot in garbage time. I do agree with you. I think he's going to run more. I think he's going to let his legs do a lot of the work this week. But I mean, 
at the end of the day, you're going to be down big. You're 12 and a half point dogs. You know, you're, you're going to have to throw a lot to try and play catch up and, and in garbage time. And it's going to come through. But until I see it, I'm not going to believe that Justin Fields is ready to be a good passer, a good quarterback. I think he'll run, but until I see the passing results in front of my eyeballs, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid again. I'm just not. And so it's going to be a bad, you're not going to like it, but I'm going to say he goes 20 for 32. I think he has to throw a lot. I'm going to say it's 197 yards, two interceptions, but I do think he gets to hundred yards on the ground with a touchdown. Okay. That's okay. Like I mean, until, the interception, like, until I see the passing, like, I, I'm not going to believe that there's been improvement there. Just can't. Like, uh, the history, the data points that we have so far are not good as a passer. So I hope I'm wrong, but I, I just got to, I got to go with what we know right now. And I'll, I'll lead that right into the score predictions. I think the Bears absolutely get shellacked here. I think there's way too much going on with the defensive side of the ball. They couldn't stop anybody already. I think that. For everything that Justin Fields wants to say, you are three practices away from playing the Chiefs. Like, if you had said this on Monday or even Sunday right after the game, maybe I'd have more faith, but so far not so good. Uh, Also, Darnell Mooney was limited in practice today, so we'll see how that progresses the rest of the week. That's not great. And just with the state of the O-line, I I can't put any faith in this team. I think the Bears get absolutely blown out here. I think it's 35-14, Chiefs. Yeah, I mean it, it's 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 not crazy. I mean it's like it's hard because part it's of not fun wants, to say. Well, no, no, it's never fun to say. But part of you wants to believe that amidst all of this, like I referenced earlier, amidst the turmoil that we witnessed today, that they come out like a more united team. That they look sure. like a different. That it was a revelation to a certain standpoint. You know. I don't even want to really, you know, say this, but like maybe whatever was going with on with Alan Williams, like it was bad vibes in the locker room. And now that he's maybe away, like it, it's cleared the air, you know, I, I don't want to speculate on that, but those are things that could be true. Like if there's something serious happening and it's on people's minds, like that affects the way you approach the game on Sunday for sure. Um, so part of me wants to believe that amidst all of this, you could look at it two ways. It's either going to absolutely crumble you and this team gets absolutely shellacked 45 zero and there's no, rolling back or they kind of be more united from it maybe by some miracle they win the game maybe some by by some miracle it's like really close and they fall short at the end and this is like a big revelation that hey maybe for some reason we needed justin fields to do what he did we needed him to you know say all that we needed to come together as a team right like all those things like i think one or i think i would say those are the only two options like you either get blown out like by a pretty decent margin or you kind of somehow either make it close or win the game I'm of the belief that this team kind of comes together. I think they lose 31-20. Like, I think they maybe score, like, a garbage-time touchdown or field goal or something to kind of make it seem closer than it is. I think they actually might cover the spread um, of 12-and-a-half. But I I think there's a possible chance that this does unite the team, that they, hey, it's a realization that we all have each other's back. We come together, um, and we we play hard, and we fight for each other. I could be totally wrong. There's a chance that it – and there's probably an equal chance, if not better chance that it crumbles the organization, it crumbles the franchise. And this is the signal of this is all falling apart and we have to start over again. There's 100% a chance that happens. Um, but I, w- I just wouldn't rule out the possibility of it, of somehow of it, somehow uniting them. So I'll go 31, 20 chiefs um, bears lose, but Jake real quick before we end, if the bears win, <laughs> what's what, how do you like, and this is just obviously a hypothetical. 
If the Bears win, like, what do you say on the Monday podcast? What do you say? Like, it's you such got a lucky. tough spot. You got, I guess. I mean, I guess. I mean. I, I, I know you don't want to do it because it's a hypothetical, but, like, it's interesting. It's it, it's really interesting to think about, like, the what we've been through in the past 48 hours, 72 Con- hours. Context matters. I'll say it. Let me say it that way. Context matters. What's the nature of the win? Do you win a shootout? And in the last seconds, Justin Fields leads a game-winning drive. Do Does Patrick Mahomes get hurt and leave the game, and that's how you win? Like, context matters. Let's assume health. Let's assume everybody gets through is healthy. Justin Fields, Patrick Mahomes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, if you win, like, I hate playing this game. If you win, like, 38-35 or, like, 41-38, something crazy, I mean, I guess I would – I mean, I get. I, I mean, what what else could I say except like, yeah, you have a kind of revived hope in the season, I guess, because I I just said like forty five minutes ago, fifty minutes ago, that I'm willing to restart with Justin Fields at least and wipe the slate clean, and because then if you win this game, and especially if it's a shootout, that implies that Justin Fields changed something or that he has not played obviously in the way he has the last two weeks. The last week he sucked, but like something has changed dramatically. So. I guess I would be more invested in the season, but like context matters. It would have to depend on the nature of the win. I don't know. Okay. I'm, I'm yeah, because I'm, I'm Jake, I'm scared. I'm scared. The bears are going to win. And I'm going to be like all in. I'm going to be like, Oh, shit, oh I'm see. That's the thing. I like, I'm already mentally like if on Monday, what am I going to say? If the bears win this game, I won't have to say anything. You'll be able to sh- host this show solo for an hour. You'll just, I'll just let you go. And I'll just kick my feet back if the Bears win this game, which they won't, by the way, because they're terrible. But I, I digress. It's the NFL. Miracles happen. Real quick. Any, yeah, yeah, yeah. Real Any quick. Given Sunday. Blah, Any blah, given blah, Sunday. Blah. And Whatever. Arrowhead. Fox yes. is America's game of the week. Famously. Um, weird things happen on primetime, too, and this is theoretically primetime. So let's just uh, put it that yeah, way. You know what happened the last time the Bears were in theoretical primetime? Uh, weird things happened. Weird, weird things happened. They just didn't happen your way, but weird things did happen. That's that's for sure. So uh, weird things are gonna happen this Sunday. Bears are gonna win. What is your bet, Kevin? I have a prop bet. We know the narratives here with Justin Fields on the offense. Oh God! I don't think Vegas is gonna adjust the line for Justin Fields rushing because of this. It'll probably be set at around like fifty-two or something. Put money on it. I think you're going to, I think he might get that in one rush. I would just, he, I think he sure. hit the over week one. He just had a really, I obviously really didn't correct. hit it week two. I would just put a, I'd put a little prop bet on Justin Fields over rushing. I just, I just want to make the folks some money, man. But if anyone's listening at this point, you've been listening for an hour and 13 minutes to our podcast. Sorry for you in the first place that you had to listen to this for that long. But the least I could do is win you some free money. At least I could do is win some money. So uh, Okay. I thought that was going to be way more outrageous than it was. I will hear the argument for that. I, I will hear the <laughs> argument for the Justin Fields. I'll always hear for the Justin, Justin Fields, Fields MVP overs, ticket. 8,000 is a good oh, bet. Oh, boy. I'll always hear the <laughs> argument for a Justin Fields rushing over. All right. That does it for us. This has been unequivocally a very weird Bears Nation podcast episode. A very weird day in the bears fandom but that's just what it's like being a chicago sports fan weird things happen every other day um very weird day but you know i hope that uh everyone got something from it learned something from it i I know uh talking through with my good friend kevin here certainly uh was uh cathartic 
experience at the very least. So I hope <laughs> you guys listening to it as well. As always, find us wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on YouTube at Bears Nation Pod, on Instagram, on Twitter, YouTube, as I mentioned earlier. We're there. Watch the replay. Whatever you missed, go back. I know our guy Shane's going to go back and watch it, so appreciate him for that. But for you guys, the listeners, the viewers, if you stuck around this long, appreciate it, as always. We'll be back on Monday to break down whatever weird shit happens on Sunday at Arrowhead, regardless of it's positive or more likely negative. We'll be here to break it all down. So until then, for myself, for Kev, this has been Bears Nation Podcast, and as always, bear down. Bear down.